It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now, we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Welcome to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Here are Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. The Western and Eastern Conference Finals are underway, and they're underway with a lot of intensity. And there's all kinds of things starting to trickle out of NHL boardrooms all around the Western and Eastern Conferences as these great series go on. Drew Remenda, I think that we have seen some unbelievable hockey and what's really amazing is there's a lot of similarity between these two conference final series, too. The first time in NHL history where the first two games of each conference final have gone to overtime. In the Vegas-Dallas series, Vegas has won the two at home. And in the uh, Florida-Carolina Panthers series, uh, Matthew Kachuk has scored the winning goal and then went, well, let's go. Went right left, right the ice. So Matthew Kachuk's been the hero. Amazing series to watch. These teams are so daddy evenly matched. And we're finally seeing playoff type games and not games where a team gets blown out in the first period and then it's over. It's been close, tight checking, terrific goaltending. Sergei Bobrovsky, are you listening? Wow, that guy's been all of a sudden back to Sergei Bobrovsky. And you're seeing now playoff hockey. It's been fun to watch, and, and I'm I'm glued to the TV every night. This is what I love about the playoffs, hockey every single day. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. And, and of course, we took a couple of days off for, for a variety of reasons, but uh, we're here now to talk about the conference finals as each of these series is two games in. We'll get to that in a few moments, but Drew, that's not the only thing going on around the National cool. Hockey League, of course. Uh, in Toronto, uh, an interesting soap opera began with uh, the press conference that Kyle Dubas, then the general manager of the team, held that was not taken too kindly by Brendan Shanahan, his boss, and Shanahan's bosses, the owners of the Maple Leafs. And so very suddenly, Kyle Dubas was dismissed, which, of course, uh, raises the specter of the earlier rumors about his going to Pittsburgh, perhaps, and uh, there's conspiracy theories galore. Why don't you fill us in north of the border as to how this is all being taken? So Kyle Dubas on Monday came out and had with the press conference with the team. The press conference was very uh, honest. Uh, Kyle Dubas said he was wanted to come back and he only wanted to be the GM of the Leafs, but he wanted to check, and this was the big but, he wanted to check with his family first that being a general manager in Toronto with the Maple Leafs takes a toll on not only you as a person, but a as on his family. So he said, they're very important to me, obviously, and I need to talk to them about it first before we move forward, basically saying, I think, very logical thing. But Brendan Shanahan came out uh, that those remarks somehow um, affected the way Brendan Shanahan was thinking, the president of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Brendan Shanahan came out on Friday, uh, Friday morning and had relieved, just said to Kyle Dubas, we're not going to give you a contract. So not firing him because he didn't have a contract past June 30th, but saying goodbye. 
when Brendan Shanahan was asked about this, he said that the press conference was one thing he said, don't go out and do because you're raw right now. Just give it some time. He didn't want Kyle Dubas to meet the press. Kyle did it anyway. Um, he also said that during that press conference, some of the things that he said bothered him a little bit. But Brendan Shanahan did reveal they were working on a deal, that a deal was in works. But in that time, Kyle Dubas' agent um, had met with Brendan Shanahan and requested a, a new deal. And this new deal was for what Brendan Shanahan described, a lot more money than they were willing to pay or thought they should have to pay for Kyle Dubas. And so then Brendan Shanahan said he slept on it on Wednesday, Thursday, he thought about it, talked to a few people Friday, Thursday night, he made his decision before he went to bed. And then Kyle Dubas was relieved. Shortly thereafter, the Pittsburgh Penguins, in the last couple of days, have asked permission, because he's still under contract to the Toronto Maple Leafs, Kyle Dubas is, the Pittsburgh Penguins have asked permission to talk to Kyle Dubas about the vacant general manager's job. We think the general manager's job, but the president's job is there as well. Now, that opens up the door to a lot of things. The speculation around in Canada is that this was always, and this has been rumored for a while, this was always Brendan Shanahan, or this was always Kyle Dubas, had this in his back pocket as an option. That maybe that's, so he thought, well, let's see how much the, the Leafs are willing to give me. And maybe that uh, precipitated his exit from Toronto. What Pittsburgh likes about Kyle Dubas is the fact that Kyle Dubas really got heavy into analytics, expanded the analytics and scouting squads in Toronto, and did, you have to admit, did draft and build a very good team. Yes, he did. In the last three years, or in the last, uh, since Kyle Dubas has taken over as general manager, the Toronto Maple Leafs had the third best regular season winning percentage. And we all know from Sharks fans that it's hard to win in the playoffs. We've seen this act before. Exactly. So it looks like Kyle Dubas is the front runner in Pittsburgh, which opens up another door of what are you going to do about coaching? Because Sheldon Keefe is also, he's, he's got, I think Sheldon's got another year left. But it, if a new general manager comes into Toronto and a new general manager comes into Pittsburgh, what happens to Mike Sullivan? What happens to Sheldon Keefe? So lots of great speculation up here about the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is, you know, Danny, is a never ending 24 hour a day saga. Well, it is. And it's a religious experience. I mean, you have to make sure that you're you're not very uh, demonstrative about it, unless you're Howard Berger, who does a, a blog over yes. the years. He, of course, has stated that uh, it's time for Austin Matthews to go because the Maple Leafs can't win without him with him. And uh, wouldn't that be interesting? Because Matthews, of course, um, has one more year left to go on his contract and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So a lot of this may be decided at the draft table. It, it very well might be. There's been a lot of talk around in, in Canada. Blow it up, blow it up, blow it up, and blow it up by the four four key guys. Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, uh, John Tavares, and Nylander, William Nylander. And, so, and Morgan Riley to a degree, right? And, and Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley was the boss, man. He played so good in the playoffs. He was great. But they're talking about blow that up. Austin Matthews has scored 188 goals in the last four regular seasons. Where are you going to find those? You're not. And Mitch Marner, yes, they played really well in the first round, didn't play well in the second round. Nobody's taken Tavares' contract because of age and and money, plus a no-move. Austin Matthews has a no-move, kicks in. I think it's already kicked in. Marner's kicks in on July 1st. To me, 
what you do is you don't panic and you run it back one more year. I, to, to give those four guys up is absolutely well. You can't. Well, you it, it's not to. like it's not like these guys are thirty eight years old. I mean, exactly. that's that's the other thing. You don't give up on this. This reminds exactly. me so much of what we were hearing at times uh, with the Sharks during some of the years when uh, when they could have blown it up. And of course, we never would have talked about another trip to the conference final and a trip to the Stanley Cup final had that happened. And I'm thinking right after the Sharks gave up a three games to nothing lead and lost to L.A. This absolutely. is exactly kind of where the Maple Leafs are right now. Uh, I, I don't give out advice. Uh, I feel like I, I'm uh, Gerald Salenti or somebody saying I don't give financial advice, but um, I would say that I would say I'm with you, Drew. I think that the Maple Leafs would uh, would definitely probably um, be best to stick with what they've got, build on what they've got. And if there's something out there that's going to help make their team better, you do it. But yeah. uh, boy, it's going to be interesting there in the next couple of weeks. We'll stick with general managers in a second here instead. Go to Calgary where yes. uh, they've cleaned house. And I understand there's some developments there with Craig Conroy. To be announced on Tuesday um, that Craig Conroy will be the next general manager of the Calgary Flames. Don Maloney, the president, uh, set to make that announcement tomorrow. Uh, Craig Conroy, as we know, Danny, over a thousand games played in the National Hockey League, went up against the Sharks a lot of times. He has been with the uh, the Calgary Flames in assistant general manager capacity for the last, I do believe, 11 years. Ken King, the former president, the late great Ken King, brought him in. And his plan all along, Ken King's, was that, that the team would eventually be Craig Conroy's to take over. Craig has done everything in that organization from player to assistant general manager, scouting all kinds of things. He has learned the business um, and everybody thinks that this is the right choice because what they want to do, what they need to do is get the players back because of the way Daryl, we know how Daryl coaches. Daryl is a prove me wrong type of guy. I'm going to tell you this about you. I'm going to say, you can't do this. You can't do that. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. And then I need you to go stick it to me. Players nowadays don't react to that the the way that Daryl used to have players react to that. Players are different now. They're more sensitive now. And as we've talked about, what we've talked about with David Quinn, how he coaches, uh, players have to know that or, or or know that you believe in them before they believe in you and what you're saying. And so Craig Conroy's got to get those guys back in. He's got to hire the right coach. But Craig Conroy, as rumor is, um, that he will bring his best friend along in some sort of capacity with the Calgary Flames. His best friend is Jerome Aginla, um, who is coaching his son right now in Kelowna at Brink Academy in Kelowna, a great uh, program for young players in Canada. And Jerome Aginla, rumored to be one of the other guys who will be coming along. And will Jerome Aginla be a Marty St. Louis type guy going from coaching kids to coaching in the National Hockey League? Yet to be seen. Time will definitely tell on that. Now let's move on. We continue now with the Stanley Cup Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. We're going to get to the conference finals in just a little bit, but I want one other topic, Drew, before we get to that, and that is the World Championships, the IIHF Championships that are being held in Latvia. The entire Sharks coaching staff, it seems, that are Americans are all over there. David David Quinn is the head coach. Scott Gordon is with him. Thomas Spear is over there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in fact, uh, Nick Gialdini is over there doing video. So it's it's, uh, pretty much the entire crew over there. And they're 6-0 and right now uh, in their first six games in that situation with 
a former Shark. Uh, Nick Benino was the captain. And with Henry Thrun getting really valuable playoff style experience, even though it isn't his uh, franchise that he's playing for, he's representing his country. Um, number one, are you surprised that the United States is 6-0? and oh? And number two, what about the fact that uh, Switzerland is also 6-0 and oh, in spite of the fact that there was a little controversy a couple of games ago? Well, first off, when you look at that lineup of the uh, United States, you shouldn't be surprised. That's a really good lineup. And with outstanding coaching, as we know, and outstanding leadership, um, when you look at the U.S., they played very good. You know, we get we're lucky up here. We get the IIHF uh, up here as well on TSN. So we get to watch hockey pretty much all day long because of the time difference. Um, they played very well, Danny. They're, they're playing very, very well. And Henry Thrun, think about Henry Thrun's year. It's incredible. As a student, goes to the they'll find goes to uh, the the tournament to the NCAA tournament for the men's hockey championship. Gets knocked out. Comes to San Jose, plays some games in the National Hockey League. Goes back to Harvard, graduates, and then goes to the World Championships to play. <laughs> he better get yeah. some rest after this is over. Exactly. He's been he's been, but he's been very good, Danny. He has been when you watch the games. Man, the, the, he is so calm as a hockey player. He's like this. I love – I he reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. I watch Aaron Rodgers when he plays, and I don't think his heartbeat gets above 60 per minute. I mean, it's he's just – when he plays his quarterback, everything, he sees everything, and everything's relaxed, and he's tranquil. That is Henry Thrun. I don't think – I'd like to put a heart monitor on Thrun and see how – elevated his his rate gets because he just he's like this i love that quality in a, in a hockey player doesn't get rattled they played very well switzerland's played great now the controversy is when they played canada joe valano who plays for the detroit red wings um and nito niederreiter are in a scrum along the boards and the camera quite and you can see it quite easily even, even though valano doesn't get a penalty Valeno brings his right skate up and stomps on the leg of Niederreiter and didn't get suspended, didn't get called in a penalty. In fact, later on that same shift, Valeno draws a penalty against Niederreiter because Nino's pissed, right? Right. Um, right after that, though, uh, after that game, he was uh, Valeno was suspended five games. Danny, it's one of the dirtiest plays I've seen in hockey. I've, I've never seen a guy – I thought originally – that, well, maybe he's just trying to stomp on the stick to break the stick because guys do that. But no, it was pretty it was pretty evident. So five games for Valeno. Canada's lost two in a row now uh, in this and they're down to third place in their in their pool. Yeah, it's really interesting to see that uh, there's not a lot of discussion about the world championships right now uh, north of the border necessarily because they're so disappointed about how Canada's doing. But USA, <laughs> Ro Rocco Grimaldi is having a great series. Yes. He's one of the tough. And this kid, Cutter Gauthier, uh, his dad, Sean, played very briefly in the Sharks organization. He's a first-round draft pick, and he's somebody playing well. And on the other side, uh, you know, you've got some of the usual suspects. I think uh, the Czechs have a good season, uh, a season yeah. going. And also the Swedes are a good team. 
Uh, so there, there are, this is really a good tournament for a, a lot of different players. And let's not forget, you got Martin Kaut that's playing in there. That's a, that's a Sharks property and uh, playing pretty well and a couple of others in there. So that's that's nice to see as far as the world championships go. But uh, but it's a pretty big deal in terms of getting that playoff experience. For me, that's what Henry Thrun needs to get. And by the oh, way, so- for, uh, back to that heart rate that's so calm. Don't mistake that for not caring. Exactly. Uh, this guy is is got everything you'd want in a hockey player. Is he going to be the next coming of Eric Carlson or Bobby Orr? No, but he's going to be he's going to have an outstanding NHL career for a long, long time. And he's going to be one of the more reliable guys on this roster once he gets to his peak years. So there's a lot to be really excited about as far as he's concerned, don't you think? Absolutely. You, you said it perfectly. Now, let's get on to what we have for the National Hockey League Conference Finals. My goodness, what uh, amazing series we've got. First things first, Carolina against Florida. Lots of similarities between these two games. In fact, in game one, Carolina took a one nothing lead. Fakes the one-timer. Walks back in the middle of the ice. Forsling slips. A chance by Ajo, short side. Save Bobrovsky. A clearing attempt kept in by Burns. Burns with a lane, sending it down low. Now a chance to score! Seth Jarvis pumps it home with 11 seconds left in the period. Carolina will take a 1-0 lead. The 5-on-3 had expired, but it's a power play goal. Brent Burns, a big part of that, and making it one nothing. Game two, same thing happened. It was Jaden Chatfield, who, by the way, was in development camp with the Sharks one year, now is playing in the Stanley Cup final. Canes rolled a puck in that Bobrovsky makes the play on. Nason couldn't get to it. Florida's is able to clear. Now they'll give it away. Chatfield will pop this forward. Nason throws one on. Bobrovsky with a save. Directed out front. They score! Jalen Chatfield's first in the postseason from Sebastian Just because you have a one nothing lead in a game, Drew, doesn't mean even if it's on the road or whether it's at home or wherever it is, uh, it doesn't really matter in the Stanley Cup playoffs, does it? It hasn't mattered at all this year, to tell you the truth. We had that first goal so important, right, during the regular season. It, was, it yeah. still goes. 66% of the time, you're going to win the game. And you, or you're supposed to, anyway. And the interesting thing this year is that no lead is 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 ever safe. It doesn't matter how much time's left on the clock. It's been amazing, and especially if you're playing against the Florida Panthers. Now let's move on with both of these games. What is similar again? Goaltending, and uh, in oh. game number one, Sergei Bobrovsky was just incredible. He made some incredible saves uh, all the way through, ending up uh, stopping a couple of times. Uh, players and here are some from game two as well Sergei Bobrovsky game one we've got uh, a, a save he made on Jordan Stahl Puck clears the zone it's sent down to our left into the Panthers in behind the net Terabine and out in front bouncing puck and a shot from Jordan Stahl and a save made by Bobrovsky he'll absorb that the puck took a bounce to an open Jordan Stahl in the near circle he tried to go down low and Bobrovsky sealed things up and closed the pads how about multiple saves like these on Sebastian Ajo <laughs> Off to the far corner, Jarvis is running too hard by Luos Arenan in front. Montour able to play at the safety to the corner, not out of the zone. Now it's Drury right side shot, right pad save made by Bobrovsky and a dandy. Another huge save, Bobrovsky in front on Sebastian Ajo. A backhand from right in front, and we play on with 8.48 to go in the second overtime. 
How about in the fourth overtime on Sebastian Ajo? Terrabonin, touche, a shot, a save, Bobrovsky, rebound! Oh, what a save, Sergei Bobrovsky! As Ajo was knocking on the door for that rebound, and Sergei Bobrovsky makes a right pad save and covers, and with 110 to play in the fourth overtime, we continue on here in Raleigh. And that's the way it was all the way through. And of course, what else is similar about these games? Well, Matthew Kachuk kind of came <laughs> through a couple of times and had some game-winning tallies. And uh, I think, Drew, that uh, that Matthew Kachuk, along with Bobrovsky, are the two leading candidates right now for the Conn Smythe Trophy. Let's talk about Sergei Bobrovsky for a second, just looking at the stats, right? He's he started 11 games. He is 9-2, and 2-3-2 goals against, 9-3-1 save percentage. Um, he has been – well, he's not, he's not been this guy in Florida since he signed that $10 million contract. He wasn't that guy. He had, he had completely forgot how to stop the puck. He was no longer the big, the big Bob. He was eh, – he wasn't very good, in fact – he didn't even start in the playoffs. Alex Lyons started in the playoffs. The last six games of the season, Alex Lyons started for the Florida Panthers and got them into the playoffs. And after the Boston series, when it got down, he started. Sergey Bobrovsky has been an absolute monster. Without a doubt, he is one of the guys you'd look at at Con Smythe. Matthew Kachuk, on the other hand, in the first game, we're looking to go to five overtimes. We're looking at, I'm, it's, it's 1230 in the evening or 1230 in the morning, I should say. It's 230 in Carolina. And Matthew Kachuk has actually, for that game, been fairly invisible until he wasn't. Peter Klima. <laughs> the late Peter Klima. Point. Great point. The Boston game against the, 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 the Edmonton Oilers, the, the Klima sat on the bench, sat on the bench, sat on the bench, and then he's comes out late in the in the what was it triple overtime and scores and um when they asked him over it, he goes well it's hard to score from the bench <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably why when you look at the replay of that goal you go the the camera pans back to the order bench and john muckler's the head coach and he's laughing and the reason yeah. <laughs> why he was laughing was because he threw him out there because everybody else was dead tired <laughs> Meanwhile, there wasn't so uh, so much the case of that in game number two, but Matthew Kachuk, I may have started a tradition. Off the top, Panthers have Reinhardt, near point Montour, down here on the near side, sweeps it around, far boards, Burns, pressured over there by Sam Bennett, Bennett's got the puck, Bennett in the right circle, out in front, Reinhardt, back door, and they score, and it's Matthew Kachuk, the overtime winner, and the Panthers take game two, they lead two games to none, it only took a minute and 51 seconds, a power play goal in overtime the now that's just an amazing amazing emotion there by uh panthers broadcaster doug plagans during the course of that you get really excited in the playoffs and uh the one thing that kachuk did and start in terms of starting a tradition drew was he skated right off the ice and just rushed right off the ice went back to the locker room stopped in the alleyway and of course the cameras are on him in there the fans yeah. can't see that turns around he's high-fiving and hugging all of his teammates but uh this guy just has produced so much leadership at key moments in, in games along with Bobrovsky's goaltending it's giving Paul Maurice a chance on the flip side though what I noticed was that in both game-winning plays the fourth overtime and in the first overtime that you heard right there Brent Burns and uh, his 
deep partner, Jacob Slavin, were on the yeah. ice and they got tangled up on the wrong on the wrong side of the ice both times. In that one the, that you just heard, uh, Bernsey got runny, ran into somebody as he went into the corner. But both D were flooded on the left side of, uh, of the zone in the first game. It was Bernsey backhanding it up. You probably don't want to do that. But then Slavin turned it over. But in this yeah. case, he got tangled up trying to get back to the net. And that left just enough space for the game winning goal to happen for Kachuk. Slavin goes in and he actually gets Brent Burn. He gets his stick in Brent Burns skate in the blade. So when Brent Burns turns to go out front to cover Sam Bennett to, to get on Sam Bennett, he, he has that stick and the skate blade. He can't skate. He falls over. Bang, it goes across. I didn't like on the on that fourth overtime game in game one. I didn't like the reverse. I think Bernsey had time, but with his, back, with, his with, with his backhand, he probably right. all he had to do was all he had to do was eat the puck. There was only a few seconds left. Twelve seconds, keep skating. But Slavin yelled for the puck. He gives it up, and Slavin makes the soft play on along the boards. I, I, I'm still not sure whether it went off the ref or not. But Matthew Kachuk and that shot. Oh my goodness! In, in game one, but Matthew Kachuk that. As we know, the first game he said, I just wanted to get to bed because it was four overtimes. It was 2.30. The other one was, like you said, I'm starting a tradition. Let's go. Let's go. We're off. <laughs> yeah. Did he actually say, I just wanted to get to bed? Yeah. Well, well, you know what that reminds me of? I, we, we've talked about this a zillion times, of course, off the air. But back in 1971, triple overtime, Madison Square Garden, Rangers oh. need to beat the Blackhawks to stay alive in the playoffs. And our good friend Pete Stemkowski uh, scored the game-winning goal. But what's not known is that between the second and third overtime, Emil Francis, the coach at the time, walked into the locker room and said, guys, this is getting beyond the call of duty. I mean, would somebody please put the puck in the net and get this game over with? And then uh, Stemmer, of course, in his infinite wisdom, looked up at the clock and said, hey, guys, we're going to miss last call. And then he went out and scored the goal. He says, well, now we can go drink. <laughs> Different times, right? Different uh, times back then, boy. Yeah, that's for darn sure. But uh, the same thing happening, obviously, uh, in the other series here between the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, also the Dallas Stars. In both cases, the Dallas Stars end up scoring first and yet that wasn't enough. So that's something that's going on in both series without question of a doubt. Uh, game number one, it was uh, Miro Haskinen. Pardon me. That's not true. It was uh, it was uh, Jason Robertson that scored yes. his uh, first uh, goal of the game for Dallas. And he's just been brilliant in the playoffs. But uh, also, as I mentioned, Miro Haskinen scoring in game number two. And uh, then it all came back to to haunt. Uh, the Dallas Stars later on, because uh, somehow Vegas just keeps on working and they keep on fighting. And according to their head coach, Bruce Cassidy, they just had a resiliency about them all season long that they've come to expect. You know, we function that way all year, you know, term, different terms like no passengers, right? We need everyone. Uh, we, we don't rely on two or three players or the goaltender standing his head. We need a timely save. We certainly got that in overtime, timely goals. Marcia so gets a big one for us, uh, gives us a chance. So there's certainly guys that we need to be drivers, I'll say, but they don't have to be the driver 82 times, then again, and how many times in the playoffs, right? So different guys can get us going, and we saw that tonight. We saw it the other night. Teddy Bluger scores a big goal we thought would be the go-ahead goal. but So there's different people that contribute for us every night, and that's why we're uh, having success. Um, but again, there is guys we rely on, and 
you know, you know, leaders lead, followers follow type of thing. And we, we still need those leaders to, to push us in the right direction. But you've also got to recover too. And Cassidy was talking about that when he mentioned Chandler Stevenson, who got the game winner, because he took a couple of penalties that were not so good in that game, including one cross check from behind. And Cassidy talked about that. Well, yeah, I did. The, the slash happens sometimes. We talked about it. When you do it out in the open, they tend to get, like those slashes, I mean, it's hockey, right? It happens probably, you can't call everyone. It'd be in the box. like. But you get caught a little bit when it's out in the open ice. He got caught the other night. I think it was against Johnson. And um, so you got to be careful when you're going to use those, right? And then the second one was a blatant, you know, he was frustrated uh, or whatever he was. He'd, I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you that if you had to do it over again, you kind of take a number in the playoffs and you move on and, you know, try to get payback later or, you know, like I said. So we just talked about that after the second. Let's not, you know, let's not let our egos get in the way or things like that of having success. It's playoffs. You got to deal with it. Sometimes you're going to get a call and you're going to take a hit and sometimes you're not going to get a call or whatever, whatever's bothering you. But at the end of the day, you got to play through it. And, and I think he did after that. I thought his third period was very good. He had good jump. He was trying to impact the forecheck, make plays. So, you know, he came out, came out of it the other side. He's, he's been there. He knows that he knows that these things, you can't let these things bother you, but um, it's an emotional game. So good for him for responding. So I'm sure he wouldn't have felt great if we, if we didn't, but that goes back to your question. Marcia so picks him up by scoring to give him a chance to respond and now be the hero. So there's a little bit of that going on right now. And I think you, when teams get this far, I'm sure Florida would say a lot of the same things, right? There just happens to be guys picking each other up and good things are happening. Well, the Boston Bruins had the best record in the history of the National Hockey League this year, and they're out in the first round. How do you think Bruce Cassidy's feeling about right now? <laughs> I was thinking that, Danny. I was thinking that this this whole series so far, team up to nothing. Uh, let's go back to Jonathan Marsh show for a second. He he was kind of quiet to start off the playoffs, but boy, he's really picked it up. Mark Stone, another one of those drivers. He's an incredible. And Jack Eichel has been great. I'm very biased about Chandler Stevenson. I've known Chandler since he was a Bantam hockey player. He he scored the big goal. When you look at Bruce Cassidy and what he's done, he would be this most well, he went on, he's not going to tell you and might maybe not tell you until they're, you know, the, the playoffs are over and they've got a great chance at winning the Stanley Cup. Everybody thought coming out of that series against Edmonton, the team that won that had a great shot at the cup. It, it might be Vegas, but overall, the playoffs and these these conference finals, like I said, four games, four overtimes, been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a fantastic series, and we've got lots of great games coming up right now. Uh, game number three will uh, transfer to both Dallas, Texas, uh, obviously on one side, and to South Florida on the other. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. I think that uh, we might see 2-2 after four games. It wouldn't surprise me. Would it surprise you? No, not at all. I think you're bang on. Well, now we've got more and more great hockey coming up. And, of course, the World Championship something you need to pay attention to. But that's uh, it for today's show. We thank Drew Amenda, as always, for being with us and say so long for now. You've been listening to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.